episode of the Clemson Dubcast, Thursday, June 9th. What a week involving <laughs> Clemson football recruiting. I think our pal, former intern, current editor of the Seneca Daily Journal and podcast listener, Riley Morningstar, said it best. He can't ever remember a week like this uh, with just this many fireworks. When all this settles, I can't wait to sit down with Paul and uh, just pick his brain on uh, how this all went down, when he sort of saw it coming, and all that good stuff. Hey, he might might be worth a podcast in its own right. Anyway, all this stuff is continuing, it appears, so never a better time than right now if you are a Clemson recruiting junkie to be at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational set like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Okay, to our conversation, former Clemson football player Patrick Sapp. What's it like to be sending his son to Clemson? Son Josh Sapp, tight end. What's it like to be uh, have another son <laughs> about to start kindergarten? Oh, the wisdom Pat is going to be able to dispense uh, in a few years. <laughs> Here we go. Enjoy. All right, joined by Patrick Sapp, who is about to say goodbye to to Josh, your son, in uh, I guess a week or so. <laughs> well, it's uh, end of June. End of June. Okay, so I got you. Twenty third or somewhere up in there that Sunday, he reports. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that time is gonna go by fast, and I don't know, you know, how my emotions will be <laughs> on that day, but. Uh, I'm excited about it. He is definitely excited and ready to go and enjoy the Tigers, but I'm happy for him. You participated in the uh, the Clemson 30 series that we did uh, for about a month and a half, um, and I was thought it was really interesting, your, the insight you gave, or wisdom, I guess, um, in saying you're about to say, you know, we got one that's about to start college and another, Miles, who's about to start 
kindergarten, and so I was fascinated by the wisdom you have, and and I said, so, so I imagine that has to be a lot. Not that you didn't have fun with Josh, but now that now that you're just in a different place, um, it has, has to be a thrill to 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 raise a little kid, even at your old age. It, it is, man. I I enjoyed, you know, as a parent and as a dad, I've always enjoyed the part of teaching your kids, right? And just them being, you know, inquisitive and and asking questions and you see their growth and and their, you know, wisdom and smarts uh, continue to grow. But I enjoy that part. And, yeah, being an older parent and, and more stable in your life at this point as I am, I enjoy all of the small moments, man, and all of the small times that that we share. Um, and he is, you know, two kids and raised uh, kind of sort of in the same house uh, with two different personalities. Josh was wild and crazy, and, and Miles is laid back and and just a different spirit, a gentle soul. Uh, but I enjoy every day with him. I enjoy his wisdom and, and watching him grow. But man, it is, it is definitely different. Uh, but I would say different in a, in a better way because, you know, I'm not chasing it like I was. I'm not, you know, doing as much moving around as I was with Josh trying to just establish life and, and that kind of stuff. So I get a chance to enjoy, enjoy the quiet times and the, in the small moments with him. Can you help paint that picture of what it was like when, when Josh was little and you bouncing around to different places trying to establish a life? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I just had retired from football and, and you know, I, I came back to Clemson to get my degree. And so I came here without him for about a year until I graduated. And then, boom, when I started working at Clemson, uh, he came here with me uh, right after graduation. And, uh, so you can imagine, man, I'm I'm trying to establish a career outside of football and and, and being a dad of a of a three or four year old and, and taking them to pre K and picking them up and and trying to, you know, get folks to, to kind of help me do that. Uh so it was, you know, I, I like to say, you know, Josh really did more for me than I did from him uh as a dad because, you know, you, you learn every decision you make. Uh, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, all your choices, you know, your kids are, should be at the forefront of those decisions, who you date, you know, all that kind of stuff, who you marry. And so, you know, he really did that for me. He really slowed me down and, and really uh, made me a better man and a better person because of it. But, you know, I can remember <laughs> my doctor is my friend. And every time he got a fever or a cough, I was at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, look, man, you can give him some Tylenol. You don't have to bring him in. <laughs> you know? But I'm like, he's not breathing right. He don't sound right. Something's going on. Uh, you know, and, and so he kind of helped me through that part of it. Cause, and I can remember, you know, being a young dad, too, going in the room at in the middle of the night just to see if he's breathing, uh, just that kind of stuff. But, but so that's, you know, I got through that, that period, but, uh, just trying to pour as much as you can into your kids. And Josh taught me that. And, and I'm going to do the same thing with miles, you know, really enjoy watching him grow into a young man. What is the, 
I guess the, this this few months or whatever leading to Josh going to Clemson. What type of what have been his objectives? What have been his goals to that he he likes to he that a place he wants to be sort of physically, uh, maybe even even learning you know some of the scheme and all that when he gets there. What have they given him? Can you maybe shed some light on what that process is like in the pre? Uh, part of, of 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 a freshman before he he actually right. gets there. Man, I can I can tell you this. You know, even though I've been working Clemson as long as I have and been around the program as much as I have, um, I'm still learning things about you know how Coach Sweeney and that staff, you know, do things. And you know, they still send him mail like he's being recruited in a sense every week. Man, he's getting things you know, letters about this. He's getting, you know, pictures of him being drafted in the first round. You know, all these things that continue to motivate him and continue to include him in the family. They're still doing it, even though we've committed, signed, and <laughs> we're reporting, but they still are, are sending those touch points every week. I think that's that blew me away. Um, but he's kept in touch with his coach. Him and coach talk a lot. You know, they've kind of told him, what they think and, and how they want to use them, uh, things they feel he needs to work on. You know, they want him to get faster. Uh, they feel like they'll build the strength, you know, once he gets there. Uh, and he's going to, you know, his objective, uh, he's been doing that. I mean, he works out every day. He's killing it. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of the effort that he is putting into uh, that craft and his craft and his opportunity. And so, so one thing I've always been impressed about him is his work. You know, if you say let's run five hours, he go say, okay, let's run five hours. And you know, that's that's as much as you can hope for as a parent with your kid is that they give effort, right? And and so he's doing that. Um, he's put on weight. He's probably two thirty five now. Uh, he, he's been working on his speed and his and his strength, and that's all he's been doing. Um, but he's he's gotten information on, you know, how they run the corner routes, at what depth do they run the corner routes, how they, you know, their stance, their starts, all those things that that you you want the athlete once they get to your program to be able to do so that you can like now actually coach them up from a game plan standpoint, uh and teach them to all if you got to teach all those little things on how you're doing things then, you know, they're behind. So we, you know, he's not an early enrollee. So I think it was good for him to really focus and learn that part of it, so that he can go there and hit the ground running and and see where things fall. You know, he, I can tell you this: if you ask him, he wants to go in and he wants to start right now. You know, that's what he, that's the way he's preparing. Uh, but if that don't happen, he's fine. Uh, if he get redshirted, he's fine. He's going to continue to work, but he's going in as he wants to go in and compete. Uh, and so that's it. That's his approach to it. Early enrolling is so popular now. Did he entertain that at all? He did. He did. Uh, and we discussed it a lot, to be honest with you, because for a while he was going to do it. And then for a while he wasn't. And for a while he wanted to do it. And we kind of went back and forth. And, you know, we kind of went through the pros and cons of it you know, and kind of his development. Right. And, um, and he felt like he wanted to develop a little more outside of the program before he got in the program. 
And I know for some people that may not make sense, but he felt like he needed to be stronger before he got in there with his peers. He needed to work on his speed and get faster. He needed, his body needed to mature a little more. Um, and so that's the approach that we, that we took with it. And I assume when you say he's been talking to his coach, that means tight ends coach Kyle Richardson. Yeah, he's been talking to Kyle uh, a lot, you know, and those guys, you know, kind of strengthening and building that relationship. And and again, those guys uh, are detailed guys, and uh, and I know that means a lot to Josh that that he does that with him, and uh, and I and I hope he's asking the right questions of coach, and I hope they're communicating the right way. But I think they are, um, and that's something that that um, that I think is really helping him in his off season to to get where he needs to get to. Yeah, it's such a close relationship with Tony Elliott, obviously, over the years, and even during a lot of Josh's recruitment. What was it like uh, creating the relationship with Kyle, learning about him, and him sort of enlightening? Uh, Josh and you on on what he's going to bring to the tight end room and to the offense as a whole, even. Well, the, the versatility is really what they are they are looking at uh, and they are thinking about with, with Josh. You know, being able to have one guy uh, that can quote unquote do it all and play and you know block in the box, flex flex out uh, and get some one on one matchups and catch the football and, and that kind of stuff. A guy that they can move around without having to change personnel and substitutions. Um, it's kind of how they, they see him. Uh, he played the same way in high school. You know, he played in the backfield. He ran the ball from the backfield. He played H-back. He played the Y, uh, the traditional tight end position, and also he flexed out. Um, so that's the way that he's looking at it. And I think, you know, if he can continue to work and, and build his body to where it needs to get to, uh, I think he'll be able to do the same thing once he gets there. I think it's pretty common nowadays that, you know, head coaches will give give titles to to their assistants, uh, kind of essentially like a rate, just a, just a raise, and it's really kind of a uh, – I mean, I don't know, assistant head coach, things like that. Uh, even director of recruiting nowadays is kind of – doesn't have the strength that it used to have because you have a whole army of uh, you have a whole, whole 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 separate division inside your office that is responsible for recruiting. Uh, Richardson is the is was was named the passing game coordinator, and after a conversation with him during the spring, that wasn't just a uh, just a title. It, it's something that he's really involved in in talking with him, and it's, it really sounds like. They're working hard not to junk the old offense, but to really uh, freshen up the current one um, and, and to, to, to maybe eliminate some of the stagnation that occurred uh, not just last year, but maybe previous years as well. Have you been able to get any insight into that? Just Do you have a feeling on that, on his involvement yeah, in it? I mean, some of the, yeah, I, I mean, I know he's really involved in it. I know some of the direction of some of the, the staff – uh, that's works with the offense. You know, they've been studying a lot of offenses around the around the league, you know, the NFL, and how to use the tight end and how to use different personnel groupings, uh, as well as some college team that that does it successfully. Um, so I know that they are actively trying to improve that position and its usage. 
from the tight end position, but overall, I think you're right, you know, to add the, the vertical game element to it, uh, as well as flooding zones and doing different things with the offense. So they're putting a lot of time and energy, resources and efforts into to really doing that. And I think, you know, you, they have the personnel to do it. It's already there uh, from the quarterback position, receivers, tight ends, running back. Um, so I think, you know, people will see uh, a different look from the Tigers this year. What do you make of this sort of juncture within Clemson football history? I guess the Dabo football history is really like Dabo 2.0. Venables and Elliott are gone. Um, uh, you know they 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 struggle a lot last season, and it really feels like you know Dabo's not necessarily gambling on on the promotion from within thing, but it definitely feels like an experiment. Um, what 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 is your feeling on where they are right now, uh, and sort of this juncture and and how I guess uh, monumental it is, right? Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> I think most of us that that uh, that have some football knowledge can look at it and, and say that yeah, it's somewhat of an experiment, you know, <laughs> because these guys are, you know, you really have a staff on the offense side of young coaches um, that are that are you know somewhat proven from a statistical standpoint um, and some experience, but. You know, they haven't seen everything out there because they don't have that much experience. So you could say it's somewhat of an experiment, but again, it's about the judgment. It's about knowing the people you work with every day. And I think we all have to trust and believe in that Coach Sweeney understands who those guys are and what they can do and what they're capable of uh, to, to make those to make those changes and make those decisions. Um, and I think, you know, again, I, I said this before, but I think this is refreshing in a sense. This is probably one of the best things as we probably look back at this that could have happened for Coach Swing. Because now, I mean, it's almost like taking a new head coaching job without leaving the team or leaving that school or university. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're, you're starting over with a new staff in a sense. And so those new challenges, you know, it, it kind of perks you up. It gives you that renewed energy, uh, that competitiveness mindset. You know, when you've been successful for so long and with the same thing and doing it the same way with the same people, you know, that can that can become a little bit less challenging and a little boring. So I think it's, it's kind of lit the fire on some guys around there. Um and I think those guys will be successful. I know, I know all of them personally. Uh, you know, I know there are people of integrity, and I think you can't substitute hard work and hunger. So I think they're hungry. I think they, they and I know they work hard, um, and they'll figure it out. You know, we go make some. We go be some bumps. You know, it's not going to be smooth sailing, um, but it's going to improve and improve and improve. Like anything else, that when you're trying to build something that lasts, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you kind of have to build it from the foundation up, and, and so I think they will be fine. When you are when your son's a part of a recruiting class, you 
over over time you you're, you're with these other players you're you're around their families you you see things you 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 feel like you learn about the players personalities and I remember you uh sharing with me maybe last December uh about what you thought of Cade Klubnik and just being around him and you were so impressed with him at his uh the way he carried himself and uh, just what he was saying, what he was doing, and I'm just curious for your, um, if you can share some of that, uh, some of that insight that that really gives you excitement about what he brings to this program. Well, I, I just think he's a he's a natural leader, and I know people say that sometimes, and I know people, um, you know, think that that's somewhat a cliche. You don't have to be a leader at that position, but you know, the first time I met him. Uh, was at Clemson at a recruiting weekend and we were sitting up in the stands watching the game and he got there and his family a little bit late but he just left his family came right up to Josh and 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 Randall and all those guys and just you know his energy and enthusiasm introduced himself to me and all the other people that was around um and it's just just it's just natural right for him and so as I as I watched that and then as I watched the way that he he moves around, you know, once we went down to eat at halftime and just the people he talked to and how he just carried himself, uh, you can just tell that's just in him, right? And just the things my son has said, you know, they all in a group group chat and text and and he's always in it, he's always working, he's always uh engaging all of them all the time in their class. Um and they thank the world of him. I always say, man, your peers are your best judges of you, right? And so if they feel that way about him uh, and they've only interacted with him for, you know, a year or so, um, and they already give that to him and how he operates with the players that are older than him, man, I I just think that is a a great sign of of somebody to lead your program. I mean, I was in – uh, was it the Daniel a Daniel High School basketball game? I think in January, uh, watching a, a neighbor's son playing for their team, and here comes Clay, Cade Klubnik. He's hops up in the stands. He's there. He's watching and supporting his future teammates, uh, Lawson and 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 uh, a, f- a few others. And he's into it and 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 going back not he's sort of you know yelling at calls not not in an ugly way but you know sort of he's into right, he it as a, as a competitor yeah. and yeah, i was like yeah. good grief he just got here from texas and he looks right at home he looks like this is exactly where he's supposed to be yeah and, that, and that's what i'm telling you that's what they all say about him you know and that again you can't you can't fool your peers you can't fool the guys that you are in that locker room with and, and spending that time with and uh and they think that the world of them. And so most of the time when that happens, uh, that's that's a true statement. You know, it's true. Are we coming down too hard on DJ Uwe when we say, wow, Cade has a lot of the qualities that DJ did not show last year, intangibly, leadership-wise, and maybe even uh, maybe even physically as well with, with what he can do on the field? Is that fair? I would say that is fair that that we have given him too much criticism. Mm-hmm. And but with that, you talk to you know a former quarterback, and one of the most valuable things that that Stock said to me, Rick Stock said, my quarterback coach, 
my freshman years. You know, I think I had a great game against North Carolina. We beat them. They was ranked, beat them at home. And, you know, I got all these great write-ups and NFL future and all that. And he was like, look, he said, don't be reading those clippings. He said, because when you win, you're going to get too much credit. And when you lose, you're going to get too much blame. So the best thing is to be right in the middle all the time. Is I'll never forget that, right? Because as a quarterback, so much of your success is dictated to what happens around you and your teammates. And so we got to remember all of the injuries that Clemson had this year on the offensive side of the ball. All of the injuries they had up front from the offensive line standpoint. And at the receiver position and the running back position, you know, so all those things affect him and his play. Now, did he did? And so you can look at his decision making, you can look at throws that he missed and all of that. Yeah, you put you could put that on him and he should be to blame for that. But you don't understand the preparation of practice when people aren't missing, when you don't have your, your right receivers there. When you play, it's a huge difference from that starter to that third guy, and sometimes that second guy. And so, you can't underestimate when you're working with ones and working with these guys, and they're getting the reps, and all of a sudden now you got a different guy in there. So, those are the things that people may not quite understand that affects the way he plays, that affects the way his mental is in a game and how that affects decision-making that grows and being comfortable. Um, so I'm not making excuses because, I mean, he, he is definitely a talented kid that could play in the NFL, that's going to play in the NFL. Um, but we can't throw all of the lack of success on him. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a total team thing, and I think every coach will tell you the same thing. This time four years ago when Trevor Lawrence came in uh, and Kelly Bryant was the starter, it felt like only it was only a matter of time before oh, Trevor yeah. was going was gonna to overtake him. Trevor was just that talented, that ready-made as, as an elite quarterback. You don't think we're in the same situation right now, and it's probably not fair to for to Cade to, to say that it's the same situation to compare him to somebody like Trevor Lawrence. But I'm just curious. I kind of think this th- this feels like a different situation to me, uh, in that this feels like it's going to be a a battle, and it and it doesn't feel like one is just by far uh, capable of of being by far better than the other. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't. I think those two scenarios are different. Um, they're the same in that you got two talented freshmen, you know, the best in the country coming into your program. But it's not a big difference in the talent level of DJ and Clubnit right now. Now, I think DJ still has a lot of growth, right? That he can, that he has to attain in order to be great. Clubman has the same thing. He has a lot of growth that he has to go through too. So I think it's going to be DJ's job to lose. Uh, Now I would add, if I'm being truthful and honest, I don't think he has a lot of room for mistakes in this process. 
before, you know, a change be made or controversy starts. So I think it depends on how the offense jails, you know, in the first three, four games next season, you know, to, to for that decision to kind of be made. You know Tony Elliott really well, correct? Yeah. How hard was last season on him? It was tough. It was tough, man. Um, because he took a lot of the blame. And again, fans pay money. And I always say that the good and the bad, the double A's over Clemson is, people love it. Our alumni, our fans love Clemson. The bad, and it's a family feel. The bad thing about family, family feel like they can tell you what the hell they think <laughs> and feel all the time, right? And so that's the, that's the bad about Clemson. Uh, especially you might not understand the situations. You know, a coach can never come out and say, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, and should not, and put it on someone else. You should take the blame. You should say, yeah, I got to do better. Yeah, I got to make sure this happens. But, but when you know football and you done been in it, you can know that, man, that all that wasn't on Tony, and it was unfair. You know, I don't know a lot of people work harder than that guy or put as much methodical thinking into what he's doing. Um, you know, I coach high school football, and I do a lot of our passing game stuff at Greenville High. And I could tell you when we have an injury, and I know we don't have near the depth and talent Clemson have, but we have somebody go down as a starter. The way you have to game plan and things you have to do, it it drastically changes. And sometimes you can't be as explosive or or game plan as aggressive as you can because you just don't have it to, to be able to do that. And so, but I can't come out and say this new kid that's starting is not up to par. I just got to say, you know what? I got to do better. I got to do better as a coach. And I feel that, you know? So I know on him, I know it bothered him. I know, you know, it, it shook him because you can be loved one minute by so many and so many great compliments and so many pats on the back. And then all of a sudden, you should be thrown in a trash can by the same people. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. That is going to affect you and bother you. You said, it's funny, you said the family thing, um, where, you know, the negative is, is that when you're within that family, you, you, you hear opinions from family members about something. What is it, it being you, um, you were, you've, you were around the program, uh, at the beginning and obviously have a good relationship with Dabo. What is, what is your relationship like with him? I mean, I don't think you're ever afraid to, to share your thoughts with him and opinions, uh, on, on, on things. Nah. What, what is, can you describe it? What the relationship is like? Because I mean, we know that, um, <laughs> sometimes he, uh, with, with opinions from others that he doesn't agree with, sometimes he reacts pretty forcefully, but I'm just curious to hear what it's like, you know, sort of more behind the scenes when with somebody he's close to, when you try to offer yeah. some constructive criticism. 
No, we have a, a great relationship, man. I mean, I, I know we respect each other a whole heck of a lot. Um, and we've had deep conversations and we've had conversations about a lot of things. And you're right. I mean, we, I don't mind sharing with coach what's on my mind or, or things that I think or feel. Um, and he's the same way, you know, but I think I care for him great, a great deal. And I respect him a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and I think it's, it's the other way around as well. You respect me a lot. Uh, but over the years, you know, we, we've had, we've had some, some great conversations and, uh, and great things. And, and sometimes it ain't always a, 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 a positive, positive conversation. Uh, but, uh, we, we respect each other. I call him today. Trust me, he'll get back to me sometime today. Uh, that's just how he is as a man anyway. But but uh, the respectability uh, is there. And I mean, and he's, see, and he's seen me raise my son over the years. Uh, he's, you know, he's known Josh for, since he was young. Uh, from me bringing him around Clemson and that kind of stuff. Um, but... Great friendship, great respect for for each other, man. So when we when I talked to you last week for the article, it was uh, one of the questions was was uh, your thoughts on the state of college athletics with the uh, name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal. You gave your answer, which was a really good answer. Um, and then uh, I hit stop, and then we sat there and talked for <laughs> about twenty five, thirty more minutes about it which actually is how this uh, podcast idea was hatched um you have a really interesting perspective on it where do you think what's your what's your one sentence sort of take on where things are right now um with with nil and the portal and, and the velocity of change being so uh so rapid right now I guess I yeah, said I, one I, I, sentence. It doesn't have to be a sentence. I mean, we got <laughs> we, we got plenty I was of time. Say one word, chaotic. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I would say it definitely changed the landscape and how we view and how we live and how we are affected by collegiate sports, right? Um, and it is so many changes at one time with very few parameters around it. And I think what I disagree with is the lack of parameters around it. I agree with the portal. I agree with NIL. I think it's it's good. I think it's great for young men to, as, as early as they can, understand their value and their brand about who they are, decisions you make, how it affects you and your life. You know, college hides that sometimes. Uh, and I think equating the economic value to who you are, what you do, how you carry yourself, I think that's that's the closest thing in the real world that we can have, right? You know, um, and so they're getting that lesson. The problem is it's brand new. It's almost like the wild wild west that anything can almost go at this point um that you're going to get more negative happening right now than the positives are going to show and we're going to have to live with that 
until we kind of can wrap our arms around this. How do we wrap our arms around it? And from the, <laughs> in as much as like to the point of having the barriers that you, that you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I, I think by far easily the universities are, have to be allowed to have the ability to advise these young men and women at some levels right now they can't. So I think that needs to be in place. Now we can put that generic, we can do something quick and fast to where we can then understand this down the road. But right now it has to be some parameters that the university can have some say in some arm or some advice in it. And then we need to be able to universities, you know, hire folks, uh, that can just deal with this issue and deal with what's going on with our athletes um, with that. And I think a huge part of that is understanding money and the economics of money, right? And that a million dollars is not a million dollars. You're about to lose 39% of that in taxes (laughs) right now. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so you're not rich for life. You know, those types of things uh, that, that... the universities um, can do that. Now, right now, you got us outside entities that are filling that void, and most of those are agencies and agents, which you don't want that involved. But, hey, they, they're not dumb. They're smart. They're business people. They figured it out, and they're going to jump in there because if I can get a relationship with a DJ right now, a club net right now, guess what? More than likely, I'm going to have him as a client in three years or four years, or however long it is. So, that's who's running the business right now in a lot of ways. That's not a good thing. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to Uptown Realty SC. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326- 3507. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to Founders F cu.com three years ago at this time i remember being asked and thinking a lot about 
what is the biggest threat to Clemson's dominance right now? Meaning this is coming off the the 2018 national championship. Trevor Lawrence is a sophomore. Uh, Justin Ross is a sophomore. T. Higgins is still there. It doesn't seem like they were going to stop anytime soon. We were talking about could Trevor Lawrence, could they be 45-0 and 0 over Trevor Lawrence's entire uh, tenure? And I could not think of anything at the time as the biggest threat. Like, you just thought in terms of teams, right? Like, okay, Alabama, Ohio State, um, Georgia wasn't really on the radar at that point in terms of being a legitimate threat. Nobody thought, or at least I didn't think, oh, NIL, portal, like earth-shaking sort of developments. Is this a threat um, to Clemson remaining at the top? And if so, how big of one in your mind? I don't think so. I don't think so, because I think at the end of it, we are our our fan base alumni, the market that we've established being a national brand over the last 10 years of winning and winning national championships is that we can compete in that world. Uh, Our star athletes, people wanting to do NIL deals with them. So I think from that standpoint, now we might not be as rich as a Texas A&M, but we still have an interest of people wanting to work with our athletes. So I don't think it's going to affect us in that way. And then the second thing is, you know, you you can't overlook, if we just say if we're talking about football, you can't overlook what what a young man's dream is, right? And if you're playing power five collegiate football, I don't care if you're the kicker, long snapper, uh, fifth string, you want to play in your dreams is to play at the highest level. And so you still going to make decisions on where the best football is for you. Right. Now I know people may look at, well, look at Jackson state and Travis Hunter going there and he's no more recruit. And Jackson State might have then put nobody in the NFL in however many years. Well, when you're the number one player overall in the country, you can go play football anywhere. And you're still going to have a huge opportunity to play in the NFL. So he's the exception to the rule in a lot of it because he was the number one guy. Right, he's gonna to go to Jackson State and have a heck of a career, and play on the coast like Deion Sanders that has all the NFL ties and and knowledge. One of the greatest players to ever play pro football, so that's an attractive place to go. And so that's an exception, but it's not going to kill Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Auburn, whoever else you want to call. Uh, Southern Cal is still going to get their guys and you're still going to have to coach them up and you still have an opportunity to win and get the things done that you need to get done. So I don't think it, 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 it hurts us in a lot of ways because people still want to go play for Coach Swing when they meet him. Parents still want their kids to go to Clemson and become great men and leaders and we still going to have guys drafted 
And we still going to be signing talent every year, year in and year out. So I think we're past that point. Now, if we was on our way up, if mm-hmm. we was coming out of transition, then yes, I think it, I think it definitely could and would affect Clemson. But if college athletics is indeed headed toward pay for play, essentially, and if Clemson's coach has been fully on record in saying he's not in favor of that and that he'll just go do something else, it doesn't it, it and, and again, the question is, is Clemson's, uh, the, the threat to Clemson remaining at or near the top, does it hurt Clemson that it doesn't have a coach who is jumping in with both feet into the whole pay-for-play world? I think if we were not doing it, it would. But I think that was coach, you know, saying how he feel, being emotional about how he feels about it and putting it out there, how he feels. But yet... Our kids, our young men have NIL deals. We have a a committee and a group that has raised money and raising money to support our athletes. So we're we're in the game, you know. We're 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 playing the way other people are playing. Um, And if you don't do that, then yeah, that's a problem. But we are doing that. So, I mean, it's, it, you know, the cat's out the bag and, and that is where we're at and that's what we're doing. You think he's just sort of holding his nose and saying, I don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> just go do what you do, uh, <laughs> uh, Tiger Impact guys, and not just, I, I'll, no, I'll just coach ball. No, I know him well enough to know he knows what's going on. <laughs> he just plays dumb the, in public. Yeah, that's one of the most prepared guys I know. Yeah. Trust me. He, uh, he keeps that pen and pad with him all the time <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> so He's fully aware. Yeah. With your background, you're not with Clemson anymore, but you spent a long time there um with with uh as a fundraiser. And so you have yeah. a really interesting perspective on on that part of it and the the really it's just so weird because we actually just interviewed Bobby Couch recently on the podcast it has to be a separate entity as you alluded to earlier with universities not being able to facilitate it uh, these deals or whatever according to according to state laws or NCAA or whatever um Bobby to join Tiger Impact had to leave Clemson University like that day like right away um, yeah. and that, this little, this weird sort of juncture we're at with, with this, I mean, I think we're moving pretty fast and eventually I'm guessing Bobby's going to be working for Clemson again, because, uh, because it's going to be housed under, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be acceptable or whatever legal to, uh, to do it as a university. But right now, He's trying. He's calling the same folks that he called before to solicit major gifts. What position does that put the Ipte folks in, who are trying to, who also, who are sort of seeing, wondering if their piece of the pie, 
is being threatened by another, like sort of a competition, right? I mean, I'm I'm sure some of them view it that way. Oh, no, no doubt. Um, I definitely think if they uh, is having a negative reaction to uh, Tiger Impact and what they're doing, uh, because you're right. I know, you know, being a part of two campaigns at Clemson and you have a limited amount of resources. You know, and, I, and I've seen this, but and I have to say this because I think this, again, what's make Clemson great. I've seen people give over and over and over of their resources from a major gift level, not just an IPTA member, but somebody that, that makes major gifts uh, to Clemson, you know, in that 50 grand or above in each campaign multiple years uh and we've gone back to those folks over and over so that's that's a good thing but yeah you have a you do have a limited amount of people that supports clemson that is capable of supporting clemson in a in a in a way um and, and you know bobby being over major gifts in athletics um you know he had all those contacts and have all those contacts but and here's the but is they're supporting the same thing, right? Clemson University at the end of the day, it may be a separate entity. It may be the same, but in all in all, if I'm supporting Bobby and what they're doing, I'm not writing a check to Bobby couch. I'm writing a check to support Clemson. And if I give the uptake and I, I'm buying my tickets, my season tickets and my parking or I'm making a major gift to athletics. I'm not just giving it to athletics in a sense. I'm supporting Clemson University. So from that standpoint, they look at their supporting Clemson. Now I think the way you make it work is that Aaron Dunham, you know, and those guys, Kyle and all those guys have a relationship and are great friends with Bobby. Bobby hired them is to work together in how they approach potential, you know, people that support from a, from a major gift standpoint and work together in plans that they put together. So instance, i.e., if I want to give 50000 I support basketball, and I'm capable of doing a $100,000 gift of basketball, then a part of that ask is, would you support this group at 25,000 and support this group at 75,000 or support this group at 50,000 support this group at 50,000 is all going in support of Clemson. So I think that's the way you make it right. I think that's the way that, you know, knowing those guys, the way that I know them, I'm sure some conversation with that, um, that is probably being had or, or they've already had it. So as a former fundraiser of a solicitor of major gifts what's the biggest positive and negative from that what's the what's the hardest part and what's the i guess the most fulfilling part raising money yeah for clemson yeah oh the biggest is i would say the the biggest thing about it is really working with people um that has really felt like Clemson 
changed their life or really, you know, I met my husband, my wife at Clemson, you know, coming to Clemson, I became a man, a woman. Uh, it did so much for me from this professor or this teacher or this coach impacted my life so much. It led to where I'm at now successfully and the success I'm having in my life. And to see the joy when they say, okay, I'm going to give Clemson $100,000. And we and we stored them through that process after they're given that gift and they see the impact and to see them get emotional about giving back to a place they love. To me, I think that was the the most f- fulfilling and satisfying thing. And to say, well, I, I had a little part in that, right? You know, I had a little part in and making that connection and and helping these people to to really feel satisfied and soulful about giving their treasure back to a place that gave so much to them. I think for all of us that that's probably the most fulfilling part about it. Um, I think the 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 negative I don't think there's many negatives in it because again we're raising money to impact our students and student athletes. And I think that's where our mindset is, this fundraisers is, this is all about the student experience and opportunities that we can better for them and provide for them and give them the best experiences to help them to be the best young men and women that they eventually grow to. Um, But I can't say I have too many too many negatives. I think when a gift does not come to fruition that you've been working on for years, and I would say for me, for many years, probably 70 years I worked on trying to raise money for the new chapel that that we built. Mm. And, you know, I was in the beginning of that process. You know, the students led that process, right? They led that, that charge. And so I got it early on and two or three different architectural drawings and two or three different location changes that we was going to put it on campus and raise the money to get new drawings. And, and just the process of it, you know, it kind of extended me. And I had a, I had a major donor that really wanted to support it, committed to a million dollars for it. And then backed out, you know, at the end, and so it fell flat again. I think for me, that was probably one of the toughest times for me in raising money because I knew the students wanted this, right? It wasn't coming from the president. It wasn't coming from me. It wasn't coming from an administrator, but the students wanted it. And so to not to be able to, to deliver at during that time, I think, was probably the toughest thing for me. I was talking to former linebacker Chad Carson um recently and he said they're not amateurs he said he said it was a professional model even when i played meaning when he played in from 98 to to 01 do you believe that it's amateurism or do you are you more in line with him that when you have coaches who are paid eight twelve million dollars a year that any any notion of amateurism is out the window just by that alone (laughs) well put it this way the higher paid coaches in the, in the college are making more than the NFL coaches. Yeah. So that's one. Two, when you are look around the stadium on game day, 
and you see, you know, the number one jersey, the number 20 jersey, those numbers are directly impacted in there because of the numbers on the field. Not just because it's a Clemson jersey, but those numbers correlate to that star player and sell because of that. Now, if you put a Clemson jersey in a store with no number on it, it ain't moving. It's not being sold. It's not going anywhere. So how is that okay? If it's not, you know, if it, if it's more than amateur. I mean, it's, it is a professional model. It's just that players was not a part of the economic side from receiving economics from it. They were not. And now that's what it is. And now that's a part of it, right? And so, again, I, like I said before, the floodgates just opened up. They didn't open it slow. <laughs> it just say, hey, boom. <laughs> it's all legal right now. And that's, that's the heartache that was suffered. And then people that talk about the transfer portal, players, and, I, and this, this takes me the, the, the hell off, to be honest, when I hear people, these players aren't committed to the university. That they did not this, that they're not that because they transferred. But I don't hear nobody say that shit about the coaches. That take a job and move up the ladder and get paid another half a million dollars or another $200,000 and and they leave like that and take a new job. I don't hear nobody complain about that. I hear people say, great move for him or, hey, you know, he's, congratulations, coach. Da, 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 da. I hate to see you go, but congratulations. How is it any different? Because guess what that coach have said on the recruiting trail to the recruits that he's recruited? I am going to be here, and I'm going to coach you as your quote-unquote linebacker coach or secondary coach for the next four years. You sign a Clemson, I'm going to be there, I'm going to coach you up, da-da-da-da. And they're gone. So you can't have it both ways. You know, I think the Porter, again, you have 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds making their decisions about their lives in the Porter. So some go get it wrong. Right? I mean, I'm sure we all made a lot of bad mistakes at 20 and 21. So some will jump in the portal because of the emotions. They'll make emotional decisions. That's life. That's a part of growth. That's a part of maturing. What something I struggle with is, is uh, I guess, for the, I guess, uh, the, from the pro amateurism um, perspective, the people who you know, say that the value of what they have gotten to this point under the amateurism model is is zero. Like the education's a sham. They're not even going to class. They have people taking the classes for them and all this. I just can't get on board with that um, because I've talked to too many former players for whom the education and the degree and the experience. Right. What was and is immensely valuable and, and way more valuable than the money it was, you know, the scholarship was worth at the time because you get a job, 
you know, and if, if you're successful in that job, that pays off for, for decades. And then, you know, so I just don't know. I mean, I mean, how much is Clemson spending per scholarship athlete on not just the education, but um, the stipends and, and all that stuff? I, I just wonder, I mean, you mentioned taxes earlier, <laughs> like 39% comes out. I wonder, like, for, a, for the average player, if you compared the value of what they get under the quote-unquote amateurism system and the value of what they would get from being paid um i don't know i think it might be in a, in a lot of cases that the 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 value of the of, of what they receive under the previous system would be more right and i think no i i totally agree with you i mean i'm one of those people i came back i graduated 11 years 12 years after you know my freshman year i came back to do it because I understood that my degree one, I was like, I'm never going to be able to ask my son to graduate or sons now to graduate from college if I didn't. So I need to be that example. Secondly, I knew that my degree meant options. So as I looked around after I played in the NFL, what I wanted to do next, where my career could go, the lifestyle I wanted to live with things I wanted to do as a, as a business person and, all of that, I needed my degree in order to do that. Without it, I had limited, limited options. So I'll, I'll be the first one to say that to you, right? That, no, you can't underestimate the college experience and what degree means, right? That's a, that's a huge part of the conversation. The part that I think that we have to look at from the NIL deal and not just phrase it as athletes getting paid, it's athletes getting paid for that image and likeness, meaning the value that you bring and that someone else thinks you bring, you can now be paid for it. I think if you simplify it in those terms, then you're not taking money from the university. You're not taking money, you know, getting paid just to get paid. Right, but you're actually getting paid. You you're able and legally can get paid for what you bring, the value that someone else thinks you bring. And I think if you look at it in those terms and think about it in those terms, then you don't you don't have to say one has to be mutually mutually exclusive from the other. You get your degree, but hey, guess what? You're lucky enough to be able to also make some money on who you are as well. And I think that's how it is. Now, is it being played out that way right now? No. But I think, again, we will get to that, that those simple terms. It's easy to get hung up on the, the most sensational stories out there involving right. NIL, like the, <laughs> the $8 million recruit from allegedly from California who – hadn't even started his senior year yet and has an $8 million deal with Tennessee reportedly. Like I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Like, I mean, that kid's probably not going to take much interest in school. I I wouldn't imagine. So I, I I mean, the, the farther we go, yeah, the farther we go into this, um, I got to think the, the more, uh, the, the, 
the farther we go from education as being sort of a linchpin around the experience for these kids. I mean, if it's a professional thing, as we're saying, then is education just an option? Like, or is it just, is it separate? Do they, do they decide to run um, football programs as just separate from the university as like a semi-pro arrangement? I don't know. It just, I, I sort of, I, I, go ahead. No, I definitely, I definitely understand what you, what you're saying with that. But here's, here's one way to think about this too. Man, football has to be immensely important to a university and to collegiate athletics for people to pay $8 million for a player or <laughs> a million or whatever. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, that's the way to look at it, too. It's like, obviously, the quote-unquote, in somebody's mind, the market is there that we can pay athletes that amount of money to win games. (laughs) So, again, we're in a free society, a free market society, we're in a capitalist society, and if that's what it demands, then, I mean, it's kind of hard to you know, somebody thinks kind of hard to argue against it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what uh, Charlie Charlie Whitehurst said. He said, "You know what?" He said, "I'm I'm for individual freedoms." He said, "And I can't be for them in one respect and be against them in another." He said, "So I'm all for these players getting what they're what they're worth and being able yeah. to transfer, you know, whenever, wherever." Yeah, I mean, it's, we, we can't have it okay for the coaches and the players can't do it. And you can't judge a player saying he's not dedicated or he's not whatever because he transfers. Like, I mean, that's just – people should know better than that. You you uh, you gave up one of your quotes from the article uh, last week. You said, we're all worried about NIL money making kids different from what they are. I believe money just makes your true self come out. It doesn't change you. You are who you are. It just exposes the true person. If you're a rat, then you're definitely going to show it. You're a rat if you have some money. That's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. And that's at every age level. I mean, that's just not young men. That's that's adults. That's older folks. I mean, I've, I played with guys that that I knew – didn't have a penny like I didn't before the NFL and then got in the NFL and, and seemed to be nice guys and, and good folks. And then, you know, received money and was, was a turd. Like, I'm like, who is this person? Well, that's who they've been. <laughs> they just yeah. didn't have the opportunity to be it, you know, <laughs> now they have the opportunity to be a turd. How are you? How are you advising Josh on this particular part of it? NIL? Are you saying, "Hey, keep your head down, work hard, and if at some point if you're successful, then you'll have those opportunities"? But don't think about it right now. What's that perspective like from from, from y'all? Well, we've so we've talked about it probably recently in the last probably year, ten months or so, right? But we've never we not thinking about it from an active standpoint, like you need to go to Clemson, you need to to make this amount of money. You know, we talked about it in the sense of 
his brand and his name and taking care of himself in that way, not making dumb decisions, not getting in trouble. Uh, and if those opportunities come, then they will come in that process. Um, but we're not thinking about it in a, in a huge way. You know, that, that had nothing to do with our decision about school and about where he was going, you know. Um, so for him, you know, he's going he's gonna to be learning a lot when he gets there about that. You know, I'm sure he'll, you know, see teammates that's probably making some pretty good money through that. You know, hopefully he gets some opportunity. But I look at it as, you know, none of that matters if you're not playing and doing the things you're supposed to do. Opportunities like that come uh, when you're doing what you're supposed to do, taking care of your name, contributing to the team, uh, and, and being a good football player. Patrick, I've uh, I've probably over overstayed my welcome. Um, this has been a yet another great conversation with you. Always enjoy going deep with you on various topics. Yeah, likewise, man. I, I appreciate the the conversation. Um, I hope one day we get a chance we can talk about you know kind of what we're dealing with in this country right now, man. And that's another again another mass shooting, another crazy thing that just you know happened in Texas. Um, so I hope I hope our politicians, I hope our families, I hope parents. I hope everybody can understand that we all are part of the the problem. Mm. Therefore, we all bear in the solution. So I'm not a person that just say laws need to change and gun laws need to be this. Or mamas and daddies need to, to do this and the government has no bearing in it or society has no... No, thank you. If you take care of your kids and be safe with your gun, and you know, uh, teachers do a better job identifying this. Heck, nah. It is everybody that lives in this country is a part of the dang on problem. Therefore, we all should be in the solution of these things and not point fingers at one side or other or one person or well, that family must be was stupid. How they didn't know their son had guns, or well, hell, somebody sold them a gun. You know, um, you know. So it's it's a lot of things that we have issues with that nobody wants to take the blame. But I look at it as, hey, I'm a part of it. You're a part of it. These coaches, families, ministers, pastors, uh, government officials. Uh, Hell, the man that owns the corner store, <laughs> we the guys that sell make the damn video games, that the people that don't put money and resources into mental health, uh, the folks that don't value someone that looks different than they do, or ridicule someone that has a, a different sexual preference than you do, all of us got a got a blame in that, and. I'm just tired of people, you know, passing the buck and saying, let's, you know, we need to do something, but nothing changes. 
It's just that's just stupid and idiotic to me. Yeah. You can't even mention gun control when you hear gun control and then you're not Second Amendment. Yeah. Well, you know, but I said I have my concealed weapons license. I don't believe in the Second Amendment. I also believe it's stupid as hell to be having an assault rifle that damn automatic rifle that's killing me. That's just stupid. Yeah. And I own multiple guns. So anyway, we can talk about that some other time, brother. We will. <laughs> I'm I'm booking your appointment right now <laughs> for the next one. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Uh, man, I appreciate you. Always enjoy catching up with Patrick Sapp. And, man, I really look forward to keeping tabs on him as uh, as he and, and, and the rest of us uh, follow his son's journey at Clemson. Should be quite exciting. Appreciate our sponsors for their very loyal and longstanding support. And most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting play every week. Everybody be safe. Cheers.